Introduction Cade Nila Falcia, welcome to the heritage town of Kells. This Abarta audio guide will introduce you to Kells' rich history and tell you the story of how it developed from an important monastic settlement founded by St. Columkill in the 6th century, where the world-famous Book of Kells was completed in the 9th century, how it became a medieval market town for Norman settlers, and how Kells became the wonderful town it is today. The story of Kells, where history and heritage is part of modern daily life. When you are ready, the tour will begin at the old courthouse. This is located on the outskirts of the town, on the R147, which is known as the Kells Road. The building you are standing in front of is known as the old courthouse. This building was designed and built in 1801 on the commission of Lord Hetford, who was building it for the town. It was designed by the prominent Irish architect Francis Johnston, who also designed the General Post Office and Nelson's Pillar in Dublin, Townley Hall in County Louth and the grand front entrance to Slane Castle. The former courthouse had previously been located in Kells Castle, which stood further up the hill. Kells Castle was built in 1178 by Hugh de Lacey. The de Lacey family came to Ireland at the behest of King Henry II of England, who was wary of the stronghold that Richard de Clare, also known as Strongbow, was wielding over Ireland. Hugh de Lacey was made Lord of Meath and built a large castle at Trim. Meath at that time encompassed what we now know as the counties of Meath, West Meath and parts of County Offaly, a huge swathe of land to stand as a counterweight to Strongbow's ambition. Kells Castle was built in a manor style, but by the 1800s the castle had become derelict and ruinous. It was torn down in the early 1800s when this courthouse was constructed. When you are ready, turn to the Market Cross, which is located just in front of the old courthouse. You are now standing in front of the most famous of Kells High Crosses, the 9th century Market Cross. This is also known as the Cross of the Gate or Terman Cross and was originally located at the eastern gate of the monastery further up the hill. A Terman cross signified that a fugitive could claim sanctuary once inside the boundary of the monastic area. This cross was moved to this location in the late 1990s for protection, as it had been subjected to years of damage from passing traffic at its previous location. Interestingly, while it was undergoing repair in Trim, a replica copy was made, which now stands inside the courthouse behind you. The panels on the cross depict different stories from the Bible and other sources. You should, for example, be able to see at the apex of the cross and on the lower shaft Celtic spirals 
which may have drawn their influence from the Neolithic tombs at Loch Crewe or Newgrange. Above those designs is a depiction of Christ in the sepulchre or tomb, and above that again, his mourning disciples with their heads bowed in grief. Each panel could have been used for teaching purposes by a member of the clergy to an audience that was largely illiterate. It is believed that this and the other crosses in Kells were painted in bright, vivid colours not dissimilar to those found in the Book of Kells. This cross would have been a magnificent site and a marker for the entrance to the monastic site. Most of the damage to the cross is attributed to the 17th century army of Oliver Cromwell. Local legend has it that the cross was also used for hanging croppies after the 1798 rebellion. Some people believe that the Irish rebels at that time were referred to as croppies or croppie boys because of their agrarian roots or for their fashion of cutting or cropping their hair short in the then new revolutionary French fashion. When you are ready, leave the market cross and walk towards the town. You will see a large cemetery on the right-hand side. Cross the road and walk towards the cemetery. We are now outside of St. John's Cemetery and the ruins of Kells Priory of the Knights Hospitaliers of St. John of Jerusalem. The Hospitaliers were invited to Kells by Walter de Lacy, son of Hugh de Lacy, in 1199. Walter set up the hospital of the crutched friars of St. John the Baptist here. At the time of the dissolution of the monasteries during King Henry VIII's reign, the church was the only surviving structure of the priory. The church was still standing, though in a very ruinous condition in the mid-17th century. The wall of the cemetery was reinforced in 2002, as there were fears that the graveyard would collapse outwards onto the street. The Knights Hospitaliers were founded in Italy in 1113 to protect pilgrims on the way to Jerusalem. They were a religious and military order and following the conquest of the Holy Land by Islamic forces, operated from the islands of Rhodes, over which they were sovereign, and later from Malta, where it administered a vassal state under the Spanish Viceroy of Sicily. These days you might come across them in the guise of the ambulance men of the Order of Malta, at large sporting and other events. In 1834, the Order, by this time known as the Sovereign Military Order of Malta, acquired new headquarters in Rome, where they have remained since. As of 2013, the Order has about 98,000 members and operates in about 120 countries across the world, providing ambulance services, establishing shelters and soup kitchens to help the homeless and the hungry. On entering the graveyard, at the top of the steps, you will see a chart produced recently of the inhabitants of the cemetery. Make your way up to the end of the cemetery and turn right. Here along the wall you will find a medieval grave slab known locally as the Abess, depicting a lady wearing a linen wimple and carrying a tow stick in her right hand. However... Some think that the slab may actually depict a medieval knight in full chainmail armour. 
Note the mature yew trees within the cemetery, particularly to the north of the interior, where the ground rises towards the centre before falling away again along the southern boundary. Yew trees are particularly associated with graveyards in Ireland. They have been planted in places such as this for centuries, stretching back into early medieval times, as the yew tree denotes sanctuary and protection. Indeed, the writer Gerald of Wales noted an incident in Finglas, County Dublin, when he was travelling around Ireland at the time of the Norman invasion. He wrote about a group of archers who chopped down ash and yew trees that were growing around a churchyard. The unsuspecting archers were struck down with a sudden pestilence that killed almost all of them. This story illustrates the powerful place trees such as the yew hold in Irish folklore and their connection with death and eternity. When you are ready, leave the graveyard and make your way into the town of Kells, staying on the right-hand side of the road. The town hall will be on your right. Stop here. Here on the right-hand side behind the fountain stands Kells Town Hall. This was originally the first bank in Kells and was designed by William Waldebach in 1853. It became the Town Hall in 1974. During the week, you can view a facsimile copy of the Book of Kells and a copy of the Kells Crozier inside the building. The unparalleled Book of Kells was completed in Kells by the monks of St. Column Kill in the early 9th century. The Book of Kells is the crowning glory of the illuminated manuscript art form and one of the most important early medieval treasures of Western Europe. This manuscript contains the full text of the four Gospels of the Christian Bible in Latin. Some pages of the book are entirely decorated and are called carpet pages. It took about 185 calfskins, known as vellum, to complete the book, and the monks kept a herd of as many as 1,200 cattle, which also provided food and milk for the monastery. Many rare and expensive dyes were used to illuminate the vellum, some that had to be imported. For example, the blue in the book is said to come from the lapis lazuli stone from Afghanistan. The monks who laboured endlessly, copying out page after page of text, often grew tired and made mistakes. The scribes occasionally repeated a word or line or made a spelling error. The Book of Kells contains numerous places where the editor later made corrections to the Latin text. In one place near the end of the book, a scribe wrote, Very long, very verbose, and very tedious for the scribe. In 1007 AD, the theft of the Book of Kells was documented in the Chronicles of Medieval Ireland, the Annals of Ulster. The great gospel of Column Kill, the chief relic of the Western world, was wickedly stolen during the night from the Western sacristy of the great stone church at Cananus on account of its wrought shrine. The book was found around three months later, under a sod, and was returned without its jewel-encrusted cover and with some of its pages missing. 
In the 17th century, the book was in the possession of Archbishop James Usher. Five years after his death, in the year 1661, the book was given to Trinity College by Henry Jones, the Bishop of Meath, who was James Usher's nephew and the first Vice-Chancellor of Trinity College. And the book remains there to this day. Also in the Town Hall, you can view a copy of the Kells Crozier. This fine crozier was found without explanation in a solicitor's office in 1850 and was owned by Cardinal Wiseman before purchased by the British Museum in 1859, where it still remains today. Originally, the crozier would have been venerated as a relic of a saint in the early church in Ireland and also been a symbol of office for a leading cleric, possibly a bishop or abbot. The core is a staff of yew wood, first encased in bronze in the late 9th or 10th century, then in silver in the 11th century. The straight end of the crook is a feature of early Irish croziers, and like many others, it was altered to form a hollow box with a human head above to hold a holy relic. If you have time, and if the town hall is open, you can take a few minutes to listen to the audio-visual display within. When you are ready, leave the town hall and continue up the street. Cross the road and follow the road to the left. On the corner is a beautiful small garden known as Parnell Garden. Stop here. This is Parnell Garden, which has a tree trunk carved into a sculpture. This sculpture is known as the Angel of the Past by local artist Patrick Morris and is carved from a sycamore tree which stood here when Charles Stuart Parnell, a leading 19th century Irish politician and advocate for home rule in Ireland, addressed the people of Kells in 1867 about land rights for Irish tenants. It was in the evening and he received an unexpectedly large ovation from the crowd. After addressing them, he was carried on their shoulders to his carriage, accompanied by enthusiastic cheering and the strains of a brass band playing national airs. He and his party were then able to drive only a short way before the crowd removed the horses from the traces of the carriage and drew the vehicle themselves. When you are ready, leave the garden and cross the road to be on the right-hand side facing up the hill. Begin walking up this hill. As we walk further up the hill, a glance to your right down a laneway will reveal Oliver Usher's auction rooms. The wonderfully named Regal Lager Brewery Limited was started here by James Fitzsimmons and it produced the first lager in Ireland called Regal in 1937. It was sold in 1954. Regal is lager spelled backwards and has now been rebranded as Harp Lager. Inside the building, one can still see pipework running across the ceiling. Today, the building is occupied by Oliver Usher's auction rooms, who deal in high-class furniture, antiques, horse equipment, books and curios. Auctions are held monthly and are well worth a visit.
When you are ready, continue up the hill to the crossroads. The light blue building you are passing on your right is Fitzpatrick's Bakery and is a wonderful example of the 20th century art deco style. Coming up the hill to the crossroads, we reach an area of interest for two different periods in Kells history. Here is where the Market Cross, which we viewed earlier, stood, until it was damaged by traffic in the 1990s. Also in this general location stood Kells Castle which was built by Hugh de Lacey in 1178 and torn down due to its derelict state in the early 1800s. We will continue uphill, but please use the pedestrian crossing to your right, as this is a particularly busy intersection. Walk towards the spire of the church on the top of the hill. As we walk through the gates, we are now entering what remains of Kell's monastic site. Dermot MacCarroll, High King of Tara, is said to have granted the Dune or Fort of Cianonus to St. Colum Kill in the 6th century to establish a monastery. Due to various problems, Colum Kill, also known as Columba, left Kells for Iona in Scotland but his monks returned in the 9th century to rebuild this monastery. The modern St. Columbus Church stands on the site of the original Columban Monastery. The present church was built in 1778. The spire on the Bell Tower was erected by Thomas, 1st Earl of Bective, in 1783. In more recent times, the church roof was restored in 1965 and the interior redecorated. The collection of high crosses in Kells are regarded as the most important in Ireland. There are three high crosses and a cross base on the monastic site. The biblical scenes depicted on the crosses may have been painted and were used for religious instruction. You can see the rounded base of the North Cross near the bell tower. Opposite the main door to the church, in the graveyard, stands the Broken Cross, or West Cross, which dates from the 9th century. This was originally the highest of the Kells High Crosses. It is believed to have been damaged in the time of Cromwell, when his soldiers were garrisoned here in the mid-17th century, and scholars believe that the top of this cross is still buried somewhere in the grounds. The round tower here was built in the 10th century, it is described as a clickchock or bell tower and was probably used by the monks to call people to prayer and may have been used as a lookout to warn the community about impending attack. The tower is around 30 metres high from the original street level to the base of its roof and has six floors but no internal staircase. Access to the upper floors was by way of ladders. Each floor has one window. The round tower has five top windows instead of the usual four. These overlook the five ancient roads leading into Kells and correspond to the five medieval town gates. The church from the 9th century onwards had a west porticus where we are told that the Book of Kells and other treasures were kept.
This porticus faced the doorway of the round tower, which was advantageous as in times of danger the treasures could quickly be transferred into the round tower. Near the round tower is the cross of St. Patrick and Columba, or the South Cross, also crafted in the 9th century. It is named such as it originally bore the Latin inscription Patrici et Columba Crux. This is also the only cross to bear the name of its maker. And the now worn away inscription in Latin that read in translation, Murdoch made this. To the side of the church you can see the unfinished cross or East Cross, which is of particular interest because it shows how the crosses would have been made. It seems that the shape of the crosses were carved out, as well as the panels, before being erected and slotted into its base, awaiting for illustrations to be carved into the stone. Local legend has it that the cross is unfinished, as the man that was working on it was killed in a Viking raid. This is unlikely to be true, however, as the Vikings were not raiding this part of the country at the time that the Celts' crosses were being made. When you are ready, return to the main gates that you entered and leave the site. Turn immediately left and follow the narrow lane up the hill called Church Lane to visit St. Column Kill's house. Dating from the 9th or 10th century, this stone oratory may have been built to house the relics of St. Column Kill, including the Book of Kells. The roof is barrel vaulted with three small chambers in the roof space. Access is by a modern ladder. There is no mortar in the house. It is stacked and angled stones, an amazing feat of early architecture. The existence of an underground passage from St. Columkill's house to St. Columba's church is mentioned in the annals of the Four Masters and in the 17th century Down survey. Local tradition supports the existence of such a passage. Columkill's house is the place where the world-famous Book of Kells was probably finished and kept before being removed to the porticus of Columbus Church on the monastic site. One of the relics of Columkill was known as Columkill's Bed, a stone slab that was six foot long and one foot thick. People remember this relic being here until the 1980s, when the lock to the door was broken one night and the bed stolen. If we walk up the hill past Columkill's house, you will see on the next hill what looks like a lighthouse. This is known as the Spire of Lloyd, and it stands on the highest point in Kells, on the site of a bronze or Iron Age hill fort. You can hear more about this site in the conclusion track. When you are ready, make your way back down the hill. At the T-junction at the end of this road, turn right, keeping the monastic site on your right, and walk to the end of this road. At the large crossroads, cross the road and take the first left off the main road. This is Suffolk Street. Walk down the hill on Suffolk Street, which becomes Bective Street. This will lead you to Bective Square. Stop here. Today, local sculptors in Kells keep the artistic tradition alive. 
and here stands a bronze sculpture of an oak tree depicting Colum Kill's love of the oak, sculpted by local artist Betty Newman Maguire. Colum Kill is one of Ireland's three patron saints, the other two being St. Patrick and St. Bridget. Colum Kill was born on December the 7th, 521 AD in Garton, County Donegal. At an early age, he was given in fosterage to a priest. After studying at Moville under St. Finian, and then at Clonard with another St. Finian, he surrendered his princely claims, became a monk at Glasnevin, and was ordained. He spent the next 15 years preaching and teaching in Ireland. Because of his own natural gifts, as well as the good fortune of his birth, he soon gained ascendancy as a monk of unusual distinction. One of the famous books associated with Column Kill is the Cahach, which means battler. This was a Psalter, or Book of Psalms, which was traditionally the battle book of the O'Donnells, his kinsmen, who carried it aloft into battle. This book is the basis for one of the most famous legends of St. Column Kill. It is said that on one occasion, so anxious was Column Kill to have a copy of the Psalter, that he shut himself up for a whole night in the church where it was kept, transcribing it laboriously by hand. He was discovered by a monk who watched him through the keyhole and reported it to his superior, Finian of Moville. The scriptures were so scarce in those days that the abbot claimed the copy, refusing to allow it leave the monastery. Columkill refused to surrender it until he was obliged to do so, under protest, on the abbot's appeal to the High King Dermid, who was also Columkill's cousin. High King Dermid upheld Finian's claim and made the first known copyright ruling in Western Europe. To every cow belongs her calf. Therefore, to every book belongs its copy. Because he denounced this injustice by King Dermid, and because of another instance where he harboured someone from the wrath of the king, war broke out between King Dermid's side of the O'Neill family and the northern branch of the family, which was Colum Kill's side. Colum Kill's side prevailed at the famous battle of Kuldravna in Sligo in 561, and 3,000 of Dermid's forces were killed. However, Colum Kild was compelled to leave Ireland because of the deaths and the ire of the bishops of Ireland, and with twelve of his companions, he eventually crossed the Irish Sea and joined some of his family in Scotland in 563. Colum Kild formed a monastery on the tiny island of Iona and began to teach the Gospels in the wildest glens of Scotland and the farthest outer Hebrides. He established the Caledonian Church and it is said that he anointed King Aidan of Argyll upon the famous Stone of Scone, which is now in Westminster Abbey. The Pictish king, Bruda, and his people were also converted by Column Kill's many miracles, including driving away a water monster from the river Ness with the sign of the cross. Column Kill died in Scotland in June 597. Because of the Viking raids in Iona, his monks eventually returned to rebuild the monastery in Kells in 807 AD, and thus began the Golden Age of Kells, where the crosses, round tower, Book of Kells, and numerous other wonders were crafted or written. 
Conclusion We are delighted that you took the time to visit our little town. Though small, it is very significant in terms of both Irish and European history. If you have time, you can visit other gems in the area, such as Hedford House, Telltown and the Spire of Lloyd. Telltown is about a 30-minute drive south of Kells, and here, for thousands of years, Ireland's ancient pre-Olympic Games were held, patronised periodically by the High Kings of Tara. The Spire of Lloyd is Ireland's only inland lighthouse and was designed by Henry Aaron Baker, designer of the King's Inn, Dublin, for the first Earl of Bechtel, in memory of his father, Sir Thomas Taylor, in 1791. It was also designed to be a means of employment for local people during the time of a local famine in the 18th century. At 30 metres high, on the summit of the Commons of Lloyd, one can see spectacular views of the surrounding countryside as far as the Mourne Mountains in County Down on a clear day. It is said that five counties can be seen from atop the spire and it is thought to have been used to view horse racing and the hunt in the 19th century. Inside, there is a 164-step spiral staircase with a central protective cage. The plaque on the east side of the spire carries the Hedford coat of arms with the family crest in Latin which, when translated, reads He follows what he seeks. The spire stands on the site of a prehistoric fort that may date to the Iron Age or more likely the Bronze Age. The ancient prehistoric fort would have guarded the approaches from the kingdom of Brefni, Cavan, to the ancient kingdom of Mead, Meath. The hill was once known as Mullach Icha, which became translated to Malloyd and later was translated to Lloyd. It is thought that the legendary Queen Maeve camped here with her armies of Connacht, Munster and Leinster men on her way to steal Ulster's magnificent specimen, the Brown Bull of Cooley, in the story of the Thawne, or the Cattle Raid of Cooley. Edward Bruce also camped here following his victory at the Battle of Kells in 1314. During the Great Famine, people lived and died on the hill and the community park known as the People's Park includes the Pauper's Graveyard, where many victims of the mid-19th century famine lie buried. The spire is a magnificent sight and well worth a visit if you have time. It is located on the Or 163, also known as the Old Castle Road, and is about a five-minute drive from the town of Kells. We hope you've enjoyed this audio guide to the wonderfully historic town of Kells.